What's up, Pit fans? Welcome back to another Pit Mailbag here on the Post Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network. He is Chris Carter. I am Noah Hiles. Chris, another week, another week of training camp. We are uh, five practices through. We just got back from covering Monday's practice, and um, you know, a lot to talk about. So let's just get right into it. But first off, how are you? I'm doing great, buddy. I'm just glad that we're getting closer and closer to football season. To me, that's the most fun time of the year to be covering, to be working. And I'm just, I'm excited and seeing guys putting pads on. Whew, gets me going. Yeah, same. And uh, it just feels like it's the real time of the year, you know, where, yeah. where there's great stuff to write about, exciting stuff to travel to and cover and legitimate storylines. And camp camp's a special type of time. It really is. It can be fun. It can be challenging. But... Like I said, a lot to talk to you, so let's get into it. Uh, first question actually comes from outside of camp. Blake wants to know – or oh, no, this comes from camp, I should say. Uh, Blake wants to know, were there any freshmen that impressed during the first week of training camp? If so, who? Uh, Chris, I'll let you start with this one. Yeah, so I actually asked Pat Narduzzi that question uh, last Friday, and he said the two that stood out to him, he named one on each side of the ball, but he said uh, Zion Fowler-L, wide receiver, Cruz Brookins at DB. He mentioned how Cruz Brookins – had a really big benefit because because he's a local kid from Steel Valley. Um, he came in and he started working out in the weight room before summer camp started. So he kind of got in, got himself used to the facility a little bit more. And then once they actually started practicing, he had a little bit of a leg up. And that he said that that has showed, at least in the early practices, the, the fruits of his labor have showed there. But Zion Fowler-L, no, I'm sure we'll talk about this a bunch, but like, these freshman wide receiver are like making some waves here at, in the early practices. And they really don't have a choice but to do so, right? True. I mean, there's there's just not a lot of depth on this team, but between Israel Polk, Lamar and, and Lamar Seymour, those two guys who we talked about all spring, but um Zion Fowler L is a guy and then a guy that we spoke with this afternoon, Kenny Johnson is a guy that I think Yeah. A lot of people are very high on uh, from Dallas Town, Pennsylvania. He was the MVP of the Big 33 game. And Pat Narduzzi told me this morning that he, he was one of the big-time playmakers during the practices over the weekend, caught a couple of long balls. And, you know, it's just weird to hear so many freshman names brought up without us even asking. You talked about how you asked him Friday and he brought up Cruz and, and Zion, but there's a lot of times where it's Pat Narduzzi, it's it's Phil Dracovic, it's other assistant coaches um, that they're talking about with these guys like they're going to be important players on this team this year. And that's just not typical for this program in recent years because of the depth. But that lack of depth at receiver, and, and Kenny Johnson spoke with us today about it, says it, it creates opportunity. There are a lot of hungry young players in that room, and – when you make plays like that in, in week one, you're at least on the radar. Now, there are a lot of other challenges that come with that, especially for a guy like Kenny Johnson or Zion Fowlerell, who didn't enroll in the spring, and they, they're still learning the playbook. So it's staying healthy. It's learning the playbook. It's building a chemistry, and it's also just being able to overcome maybe some size differential compared to guys who have had two, three seasons in a college weight room. Uh, but there are certainly a couple of freshmen. Uh, Braylon Lovelace is another guy that I heard um, that we should expect to see at least on special teams this year, probably not playing linebacker just because of the right. depth ahead of him. Um, but uh, special teams coach Andre Powell told me, he said, this is a guy who's going to have a shot to be playing on kickoff on punt. And again, how many true freshmen have we seen do that in recent years? Not many. So 
the fact that there are four to six names just right now after one week, that says something about this incoming class. What I, what I think could be really interesting, the last freshman who like really, I remember popping off in training camp and kind of catching eyes was Jordan Addison. Now yeah. it's not going to say anyone here is going to be Jordan Addison, of course, but that was that, that, like, that's the caliber of guy that they, that they had step up. And in a similar situation, they needed a, a young receiver to step up that year too in 2020. And then and he, he still wasn't like elite that year, but he, you can see the potential there. But that's the thing. If you can see potential out of some of these guys, with they at least have two or three receivers that are veterans in, in college football and can at least they can be confident in. If just two of these young receivers that, that they're, we're talking about, Zion Fowler, um, uh, Izzy Polk, uh, uh, Kenny Kenny Johnson and the last one Lamar was Seymour. Lamar Seymour. Yeah. If if two of those four hit, they're in a great spot. So right. it's good to have that many at different assets. And if one of them ends up being Jordan Addison 2.0, they're in a very Home good run. spot. Yes. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll continue on the new on the note of newcomers. Joe wants to know what the expectation for Malcolm Epps will be. He, uh, for those who don't know, that's the USC tight end that transferred into Pitt this spring. Um, he wants to know how they plan on using him. So originally, Joe, I thought the the plan would be to kind of use him as a blocker, similar to Darnell Washington. Um, that's kind of how he was used at USC and in, in Texas. But based on this guy's build and based off of stuff that I've heard, it looks like he's going to be more of a pass catcher. Now, in what role will that be? I do not know. I think... He's probably not the blocker that Gavin Bartholomew and Carter Johnson are. I think right. Carter Johnson will definitely be the primary blocking tight end, kind of like what we saw Ryan Jacoby used as last year. Um, and Gavin's going to be the starter. But, I mean, Christian Veyer talked about it today with us, how you know Malcolm has that huge wingspan. He says he has the biggest catch radius on the team. Mm-hmm. And as a guy you know who has that raw talent, I mean, he was recruited out of Texas in high school. And then he went from Texas to USC. I mean, there's certainly some sort of raw potential there. And if we've seen anything about Pitt's depth chart is they should welcome any type of pass catching talent right now. So I don't know how they get him involved. I think it's going to be a challenge enough to figure out how to get one tight end involved in the passing attack. But I mean, if you have a guy with that size, I think he's what, 6'6", 240, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you got to figure out a way to use him because he's only got one year of eligibility and and wasting someone with that frame, unless he ends up just being a total dud, which could happen, but you got to figure out a way to use him in some sort here, just because there's potential. What's crazy though, is when you look at his tape, yeah, he looks more, he he looks like he's He would be used more like a blocking tight end. When I talked to him, at media day, he was like, my skills are actually as a receiver. Like I right. can catch from a lot of different points that he's like, I need to be more comfortable with blocking. And he said, that's one thing that he's been working on specifically uh, to get ready for this year. But it's also interesting how he fits into this tight end room because not too long ago, Pitt's tight ends were like one of the worst position groups on the team. Yeah. Like just a couple of years, like before Gavin, like when, even when Gavin was a freshman, like going into that year, there was not a lot of excitement for how tight ends were going to be involved in the offense. Now it's like, they're looking kind of deep. Because you got yeah. you got Gavin, you've got Carter, and now you're adding in Malcolm X, who I'm, I'm sure I'm going to call Malcolm X like five times this year. So I apologize in advance to him. But um, when I, when you look at when you look at what he brings to the table, he seems very excited to be a pass catcher. And one thing that we talk with Frank Sigdani about is he likes a lot of old school philosophies, bases of football. One of the basic parts of the red zone 
is throwing it up to big dudes. And yep. that's where I could really see him. You know what? You line up in a really big formation with him and Gavin and Carter uh, on, on the field with, say, Daniel Carter um, and uh, and uh, and then Rodney Hammond in there. So you got a big, heavy formation. And then all of a sudden, you, you see Gavin and Malcolm Epps go out to the, to go out to the flats, and then they're lining up there at, at, like, wide receivers. And then it's just a jump ball situation for Phil. Which matchup do I like better? Tall guy. Go get it. And I think that's a situation that, that, that the Panthers could really use. In that cat, like to build off of what you said, that catch radius and then that height. I mean, Pitt doesn't really have another guy like that on this no. team. I mean, they have Bub Means is by no means a, a small guy. I mean, he's put on some Badoosh. some muscle this yeah. He's put on <laughs> some muscle this this offseason. I mean, he he's he can be a physical wide receiver, but mm-hmm. there's not any six foot six type of pass catcher in that room right now. I mean, McConaughey, I think, is tall, but, I mean, he's not even on scholarship right now, so I don't know how often we should plan to see him, although I do think there is some potential there. And, um, you know, all these young guys, they're not super tall. They're they're more just kind of like Addison, like a speedster, athletic-type guy, get them in space. You have a rare thing, you know, a physical freak, which how many guys have they had like that, a specimen, if you will, on right. this roster lately? And um, they got to figure out a way. And if it's something like you said, where even if they go like 13 per- personnel and motion him out wide mm-hmm. and just say, okay, they're playing cover zero. <clears throat> We're going to find the side of the field that has the shortest corner. We're going to motion him out to that side. And we're just going to throw it one on one. Try to guard him. He's six, six. I just looked it up. He's actually two fifty five. So yeah, good luck. Some ACC corner is probably like five, nine, one ninety. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the kind of mismatch you can create. And, and again, that's something that Pitt has not had. I, I can't remember the last time they've had someone that physically gifted as far as just size and build. Now, again, oh. he's got to do it in pads, too. That's right. Yeah, it it doesn't mean see. nothing. Right. I, I honestly think the last guy who they had like that was Lucas Kroll, who was uh, Kenny Pickett. He was an actual tight end, though. I mean, this guy, right, like, if true. you look at it, like, and that's not to say Malcolm Epps isn't an actual tight end. It's just Lucas Kroll was kind of wider. This guy doesn't. I mean, he doesn't look like he's 255. He's kind of slim. He doesn't. He doesn't so, look slim. And, and, and that's, again, he's got more of, if I had to compare his build, it'd be like, he's built like a Jimmy Graham type. Mm. If, if you know, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, just no, no, I know what you like, mean. Yeah, like, kind of just looks like a, like a stretch like four l- rather lankier. than a power forward. Yeah, he's right. kind of lanky. Yeah, so I, I'm excited to see what they can do with him because I do think there is some sort of potential there, even if it's in, you know, a specialty package. We'll get into some bigger picture stuff now. Tom wants to know, would the ACC benefit by bringing in any of the four remaining Pac-12 schools? I'll start with this one. If you if sure. you were living under a rock uh, this past week, re- weekend, um, Pac-12 is dead. It's gone. Yeah, it's- uh, eight of the 12 teams in that league this year will be gone. Uh, four of them are heading to the Big 12. Four of them are heading to the Big 10. And Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington, Washington. State mm-hmm. are left kind of just – in a pit of nothingness. So, you know, the Pac-12 can try to, I'm sure they're going to extend offers to Boise State and I don't know who else is out there, Colorado State, Fresno State, teams like that, but that's not going to that's not gonna get them the media deal I'm sure they were hoping to get and no. would have probably been closer to getting had Oregon and Washington and Utah stuck around and the Arizona teams. Um, but I don't, I don't know if adding them to the ACC is going to, bring that much value. Mm-hmm. I, I just look, I mean, Oregon state, I think will actually be a decent team this year. 
Um, Washington State's had its moments. Uh, right, moments. Back, you know, in the Mike Leach era before he left there. Um, Cal, the band ran on the field there once, and they had Aaron Rodgers. And, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. And uh, what's his name, Marshawn Lynch and stuff. But, I mean, in Stanford, it's I, I feel like since NIL and the transfer portal have arrived, Stanford's kind of gone backward back. as a yeah. program. I mean, it, 10 years ago, they were producing some top-tier guys. They were Andrew competing Luck. for – yeah, it, it, Toby Gerhardt, mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey. You know, mm-hmm. like they had some star players, and they had a good coaching staff. But I think since college football has become less of – even less geared toward academics and more about just who's willing to dump some money into this thing, Stanford's really taking a step back. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if that adds – value as far as tv opportunities and and viewing i mean i'm sure they'll at least consider it i guess but you got to ask i mean are people really going to tune into virginia cal yeah are they going to turn in are they going to tune into pitt stanford pitt stanford i think that might do something i think that would be kind of cool like washington state georgia tech I, I don't I don't know. There normally if you're gonna come and, and add four, you need at least one headliner there. And I, I don't see where the headliner would be. Maybe maybe it's Oregon State. I don't know. Uh Oregon State's had some success, but it just I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that that would probably be a bit of a stretch. And Pat talked about that kind of today as well, saying, you know. If you look, the ACC has been a little bit more selective in trying to find the proper fit. I don't know if that's actually the case. I think maybe teams are just a little bit hungrier to get into the conferences with the bigger media deals that Mm -hmm. don't go all the way until 2036. But I don't know. I don't know if the Pac-12 is interested in joining with the ACC, and I don't know that the ACC is interested either. Um, So I don't know if it's a good idea. I would probably say no. Yeah, I mean – I think if they could, I think they could get us. I, I like. I still think Stanford has the name to it that would attract people. So I think that that would be cool. And if they could get a little bit relevant in, in hoops and, and football for a couple of years, that could be somewhat exciting. Cal, I, I thought it was interesting that Oregon State and Washington State weren't didn't weren't in a package with the Big Ten. Like I thought that the because with Oregon and Washington, those are natural rivals. I thought wherever those te- those programs go, the state programs would go with them. But Oregon that didn't State happen. especially, yeah. Yeah, and it's like those are easy rivalries that are easy money makers, and you know you could bring bring them in, and you know if you're a big conference, you want to gobble up as much as you can and get more rivalries. So I, I thought that was that was interesting, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm not sure how this would impact things, and that's the other thing. None of us know how this is actually going to play out. What's going to become the new big thing? College sports is just changing every second of every day. It, it is just getting uh, wild. Um, uh, so I, I really, uh, I, I don't know either. I still think if, if you're looking for a target and if you're the ACC, get West Virginia for Pitt, um, and, and add them to the mix somehow, if they were able to steal them away from the big 12 and in the, in the future years. Um, but yeah, the PAC 12 teams, it's just, it's tough because, you know, if, if you get one, that one team is going to be traveling all the way out, uh, all the way yeah. out to the, to the coast, to the other side of the country. And then every team, whenever they play, they're going to be traveling all the way out there. And it's just, that's I've always not known how that would play out. And that's and that's what makes it tough. It's if the ACC if the ACC is going to take one of them, they need to take all of them because you need to have some sort of local competition, right. for the rest of these West Coast teams. Whereas the Pac or the excuse me the Big Ten, the SEC, 
or no, not the SEC, but the Big Ten and the Big Twelve. Yeah, they have former Pac-12 schools, so they, you know, if they go to the Big Ten, they could still play USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon. If they go to the Pac-12, they can play Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and help me out. Who's the last one? Utah, Utah. Yeah. There, and I mean that's a little bit more traveling, but. I don't think the Big Ten wants these teams, and I don't think the Big 12 does either because they weren't really welcomed in. So I guess if the ACC wants to add a West Coast branch, but if you look at the alignment of the Big Ten and the Big 12, they're spread out everywhere. The only conferences with any sort of geographical trueness right now are the SEC and the ACC. The SEC is getting a little further west, with, you know, Texas being in it now and stuff. But, like, it's still – Texas to Florida isn't a crazy flight. Yeah. Uh, but the ACC is just right down the coast. There's nothing right. else really there. So, I, I don't know if you're going to make that commitment to your teams that, hey, look, you're going to have to travel across three time zones. You're not going to do that to them just so you could play Oregon State and Washington State. And that's – it's tough to say, and, you know – I don't see the ACC going anywhere, but this is a situation that many teams could find themselves in if they're not proactive and keeping an eye on things. So it's crazy. It's it's just been a wild college football season and not a single game has been played yet. Mm-hmm. We'll move on now. Ross wants to know, are either of you guys surprised that Pitt didn't crack the top 25 in the coaches poll? Do you think the Panthers will be ranked inside the AP Poll, the, the top 25 in the AP. Um, I'll start with this. I'm not surprised. I, I will say this. I think the Panthers, I thought the Panthers would get more respect in the coaches poll. And I think that belief of mine is going to come to fruition. Um, Pitt wasn't too far outside the top 25. They were ranked number 30. They had the, the five most points out of the vote getters that did not crack the top 25. So I, I think there are a lot of teams especially teams I think in the ACC who have coaches that really respect the program there. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think when in a poll voted by media, if you're not paying attention to what's going on at Pitt, you're not going to know it. You're not going to know what's really going on. And I think a lot of national media focuses on two, maybe three leagues and the ACC is not one of them. And I think local media does the same. You, you focus on the league you're covering then you focus on the Big Ten and the SEC or the Big 12 and the SEC or whatever, but you're you're not really watching the Pac-12 or the ACC, the coastal leagues right now, just because they've been – the Pac-12 has had, what, one team make the playoff in its history? And, Washington, yeah. Yeah, Washington, and they got smoked. And mm-hmm. then the ACC has been dominated by one program since the playoff format existed. So mm-hmm. I think it's just tough to kind of gain respect from the media right there. But if you're a coach who has to strategize and form game plans against Pitt, you kind of understand that this is a program that has a little bit something going on. So I think 30th is a fair spot for the Panthers in this coach's poll right now. If, if I had a say in it, I'd say they're anywhere between 20 and 30 in the country. I think 30 is a fair spot considering the talent that they're faced to replace um but i mean you look at the teams ahead of them in the acc carter you got florida state at eight clemson at nine north carolina at 20 and then there's Pitt behind them nc state 36 miami 41 wake forest 50 and duke 55 i think there's more to gripe about for some of those teams than there is the panthers 
Yeah, I think one of the big things here is you look at the teams that are listed ahead of them. You got Clemson, who's a powerhouse and and, reg- and regularly there. You got Florida State, um, who everyone's expecting a whole lot of. And you got North Carolina. They're also throwing Notre Dame, even though they're not ACC. They're still yeah. going to be on the schedule and everything. But one thing I see a commonality there is quarterbacks returning. And, yeah. and like Drake Mays back. If Drake Mays not back, UNC ain't ranked up, ranked up that high. And that's one thing to consider for Pitt. People don't know what Phil Jacoby is going to look like. The last yeah. time Pitt brought in a transfer quarterback, it didn't go well. So it, as much as people are excited to see what Phil's going to be able to do this year, we, I think that there's a, a general kind of like pause. Like, listen, we know that Pitt's probably going to still be up there as, mar- as far as uh, getting after the quarterback. They're probably still going to be great at, tur- at creating turnovers. They'll probably have a good offensive line. They'll probably be able to run the ball. But can the passing game work? Can they not give up as many big plays? Uh, you know, who will be their top receivers? Things like that. And how will they stack up again in an ACC that doesn't have divisions anymore? So they're going to have to work their way up without having to win win a division rather than they have to actually be one of the top two teams in the conference. I, I get the hesitation there. And, and again, looking at some of these teams there, but I don't think it benefits pitch. You know what? Some of those teams we talk about there, Florida State is a top 10 team. Notre Dame's right up, right up there. Uh North North Carolina's ranked. All those three teams, pit plays. So, yeah. like that's a so like if you if if you're pit. You get you have the chance to prove a lot of people wrong throughout this season. Um, and even if you even if you like if they, they play what North Carolina is their first ACC game. Yeah. If they if they come through their non-conference schedule undefeated, they handle business with Wofford, Cincinnati and, and West Virginia and they beat North Carolina. That could start some sparks to get them into the top 25 by the end of September. I, I mean, I don't even think it's going to take that much. I, I, I think that even at the AP poll, Carter, they're going to get some votes. I think they'll yeah. probably be like maybe 33rd, 34th in the AP poll. And if you start your year off 3-0 and with two wins over Big 12 teams, albeit two teams that are probably going to be picked to finish near the bottom of the Big 12, but nonetheless, if you beat two Power 5 teams in your first three games and you're entering Week 4 at home against Drake May, I think there will be enough buzz to get them probably to number 25. Okay. So... Yeah, I, I don't think that they're too far off from where they're being pegged right now. As I mean, I picked them to finish fourth in the ACC. The coaches picked them to finish fourth in the ACC based off of this poll. So there we go. They, they said, what's no Ohio's think? We'll go with that. And I can't disagree with them. <laughs> totally. All right, so Jim has the final question of the day. Uh, he said, how big of a loss is Rick Darius Farmer to Pitt's 2024 class? It feels like many people thought uh, or many people didn't expect his commitment to hold through. Carter, you want to start with this one? I mean, yeah, that was the that was the thought from the jump was that he was a really highly talented receiver in an area where a lot of people were surprised he didn't pick pick someone else. Uh, he and so that was kind of thought there. I don't think it's it's a huge crushing blow. It stinks because it it draws like the pit had that run where they were getting a lot of four stars and it seemed and he was part of that. It's like wow, this is a really high end class and him dropping out kind of puts a small dent in it. But I mean, still there's a, there there is talent in this class. There's still guys there, but it's one of those things where this happens a lot in college sports where a really talented four or five star guy will commit somewhere early and it's not Georgia or Alabama or, you know, one of the, a blue chip school that, uh, that runs, you know, that sport. And there'll be a lot of time for that player to reconsider, you know, even if it's not one of they're they're not leaving like a pit or a, uh, North, uh, North Carolina or a Virginia tech. If, even if it's not one of those teams, there might be just looking, what's a better fit for me. Like, you know, and, and in that case, I think what he recommitted to UCF. So yeah, I think he, he just, he stayed home. So I think that that's, there's a lot of different factors that play into it. Um, it's, it stinks, but I think one thing, especially a wide receiver that's worked out for, for Pitt 
is that they have this drivers, this freshman class that they're very excited about. So a lot of things to, to definitely, it's definitely not a good thing at all. It's not something that, that, that bodes in their favor, but I wonder if wide receiver is the one spot on this upcoming class that they could, they could have taken this spot. At. Cause I think if they lose uh Jossie or Whittington, that would have been a much bigger deal. I still think, I mean, just because you have four true freshman receivers that look decent in training camp does not mean you're set for the future. So no, I, I think it is a loss, um, but it's a loss that I, I don't think caught anyone off guard. Uh, his commitment was a surprise. I mean, the guy committed on Christmas day before giving an official visit. And yeah. he's not like someone who was like Whittington that's from the state and had a chance to really get familiar with the program. I think he took a couple unofficial visits, but I don't know. I, I didn't expect him to stick around. And um, like you said, Chris, this is, this is college football. This is how it works. There will probably be other decommitments from Pitt's class, and Pitt will probably get a couple of guys to decommit and come to Pitt. I mean, there, there, there are other things that have taken place too. Some of these Pat signals that we never really found out names, those are guys that gave verbals on their official visit and then yeah. committed elsewhere. I, I know I'm not the first media person to say this. I heard it from a source. Coy Beasley, I was told, committed in his official visit, but then never announced it, went to Purdue, verbally committed like the next week. So that's another four-star that Pitt could have lost. And that's not confirmed. I mean, I heard it from a source, and I'm not the first person on the Pitt beat to say that. So I'm comfortable saying it here. And if that's the case, then yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the game. They're going to get four stars. They're going to lose four stars. They're in the mix for a lot more than they have been in recent years. And I still think that there are a couple more that they could land, including a guy like Sincere Edwards, who was verbally committed to UCF. It's like a little war it has going on right now <laughs> between guys that they're losing to them and taking from them. But it's just, that's the game, man. There, you, No one is ever safe. Even when they're on campus, they're never safe. They had the best receiver in the country and he left. So mm-hmm. after that, yeah, you can expect to lose a four-star to whatever it is, hometown, NIL, a disagreement with how the offense is running. We don't know. But that's that's the game of college football. It was a little bit more expected. It still hurts, but them's the breaks, baby. This is this is the big time. So that's all I got, Carter. Any final thoughts as we wrap it up? Uh, just a quick shout out uh, to uh, some fans. Uh, been meeting a lot of fans at, at at Steelers training camp of a lot of our Steelers work. But there's also been some who shouted out this very show who watched oh, who watched our mailbag nice. and, and they said they they really enjoy our pit talks. And thank you to everyone who did say that. Um, appreciate y'all a lot, and we hope to, to keep entertaining you all season long here as uh, we get some pit football and pit basketball we'll be starting up, and a lot of things to talk about here at the Post Gazette. Every fan I meet says you suck and Chris Carter's great. So I'm not going to shout them out at all. No, I'm just kidding. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Uh, follow us on all the social media platforms and keep tuning into the Post Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network for all of your Pittsburgh sports coverage. Take care. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you like the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down in the description.